Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This is going to be for Matthew chapter 15, which will also include some of Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 7. So there's going to be some similarities there. So let's start with Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 first. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying... So in Mark 7, it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash their bodies, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Because the Jews sought to kill him, Jesus did not go to Jerusalem to the third Passover occurring during the period of his ministry. Hence we find the rulers of the Jews sending a delegation of Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem to Capernaum to watch and find fault with him. Now, this washing part here that they're talking about, traditions crept into the law which were not required to be complied with. Um, Verse 2 of Matthew, Why do the disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And in Mark it says, The Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And then back to 7, O ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy unto you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I'm still in Matthew uh, chapter 15, now to verse 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching the doctrines and the commandments of men. And then back over to Mark um, chapter 7, verse 10, or verse... um, Verse 7, Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the traditions of men, the washing of pots and of cups, and many other such things that ye do. And then back to Matthew 15, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death which Moses shall appoint. And then back in Mark it says, Full well is it written of you by the prophets whom ye have rejected. They testified these things of a truth, and their blood shall be upon you. Ye have kept not the ordinances of God. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death of of the transgressor, as it is written in your law, but ye keep not the law. By professing to believe in the prophets, while in practice rejecting their teachings, the Jews were in reality rejecting the prophets. Thus those Jews were placing themselves in the same position which their fathers occupied when those fathers slew the prophets, and so the blood of the prophets would be required at at the hands of the Jews and their fathers, for both rejected them. Similarly, some today, by rejecting the teachings of the ancient apostles and prophets, are classifying themselves as people who would have slain the holy men of old, and so the blood of the true martyrs of religion shall be upon them. 
Back to Matthew, verse 5, But ye say, Whosoever shall say, Father or mother, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, it is a gift from me. God had commanded Israel, Honor thy father and thy mother, which included caring for their temporal needs. But according to the rabbinical teachings, a wealthy son could say to destitute parents, It is Corban, and that's what the Mark version says. It says, Ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, Corban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he is of age. Uh, so, as they say, it is Corban, and thus be free of his obligation to support them. Originally, this had meant, in effect, my property is Corban, or has been pledged or given to God, and therefore it cannot be used to support you in your poverty. Then the selfish son could continue to use his property as long as he lived. But by Jesus' day, the practice and teaching was so corrupt that Corban meant merely to take a vow, and so by saying, it is Corban, the son meant, I have vowed not to support you, and so he was free of the command to honor his parents. For according to the tradition of the elders, it was more, it was more important to keep his vow than obey God and honor his parents. So they've gotten a little twisted here, haven't they? Back to Matthew, verse 6, And honor not his father or his mother, it is well. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. And then back to Mark, it says, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from among the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Back to Matthew, verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. It is as though Jesus had said, If these false ministers are offended because I preach the truth, let them take offense. I have more important things to do than worry about their feelings. They are corrupt and apostate, and in due course shall be rooted out by the very truths which I now declare. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Back to Matthew, verse 15. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us also the parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do ye not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? Or into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Or, as per the marginal reading, this he said, making all meats clean. In other words, Peter, who received the divine command to eat meat which had been unclean according to Mosaic standards, speaking through Mark, his scribe, is showing that Jesus here revealed that the old prohibitions as to eating certain meats was ended. That was again by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 21 of Matthew, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out to the same coasts. Now this is a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. Mark says, um, for, a certain, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And cried unto him, but this is back to Matthew, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She had faith that Jesus was the Messiah. In calling him son of David, that's saying basically that she believed him to be the Messiah. 
She was a Gentile who spoke Greek, but was by race a, Syri- a, Sy- a Syrian who dwelt in Phoenicia, a Canaanitish woman, a member of a pagan heathen nation despised and hated by the Jews. The Phoenicians were of Canaanite descent. Though a Gentile, this Canaanitish woman believed in the ancient prophets, recognized the Jews as the chosen race, and accepted Jesus as the promised Messiah. And that was by Bruce R. McConkie. Back to Matthew, verse 23. But he answered her not a word. He was testing her, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She could only be quieted by granting her request. He answered, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The house of Israel is composed of the spirits from pre-existence who there developed a talent for spirituality and who are therefore entitled to the blessings of heaven in this life on a preferential basis. All men in due course, either in this life or in the spirit world, will be offered the blessings of salvation, but there is an eternal system of priorities. There is a law of election, a doctrine of foreordination, and Israel is entitled to the blessings of the Holy Word ahead of their Gentile fellows. Back to Matthew, verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. In Mark it says, But Jesus said unto her, Let the children of the kingdom first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. This is a clear statement that gospel blessings should go first to the chosen seed and later to others. In a manner of speaking, this principle applies today also. That is, the children of the kingdom, those who belong to the church, those who love the Lord and are seeking to keep his commandments, are the ones who are entitled to the healing power of the priesthood, while those who are without and who have not yet covenanted in the waters of baptism to devote themselves to righteousness are entitled to healing graces only on conditions of unusual faith and desire, a faith and desire which should lead them to join the church when their petitions are granted. The words, harsh as they may sound to us, were understood by her in the spirit of the Lord's intent. The original term here, translated dogs, connoted as the narrative shows, not the vagrant and despised curs elsewhere spoken of in the Bible as typical of a degraded state or of positive badness, but literally the little dogs or domestic pets, such as were allowed in the house and under the table. That's by James E. Talmadge. Dogs signifies those who are not yet matured, prepared, and worthy to receive the sacred things of the kingdom. And that's by uh, that's in verse by verse. Verse 27, And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, she's passing the test here. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. This woman, who was a pure Gentile, now became a daughter of Abraham. By faith, she was adopted into the house of Israel. At Jesus' invitation, she now came from without and joined those within. She was to she was no longer a Gentile. She was a daughter of Abraham. That's by Bruce R. McConkie. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus' mortal ministry was with Israel, not with other nations. His healing of this or any Gentile person came by special dispensation because of great faith. Certainly, the course he followed in this instance was instructive to his disciples, tested the faith of the Gentile woman, and taught that persistence and importunity in prayer will bring reward, and showed that greater faith is sometimes found among the heathens than in the chosen lineage of Israel. That was by Elder McConkie. Joseph Fielding Smith said, Our Savior himself declared on occasions that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
His teachings were confined almost entirely to the ministry among the Jews, one notable exception being his conversion, his conversation with the woman of Samaria at the well. But this seemed to be incidental. His language seems harsh towards the woman of Cana, uh, Canaan when he said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. But being struck by her great faith, as expressed in her answer, he had compassion on her and granted her prayer. The reason our Savior did not carry his message to other peoples than the Jews is due to the fact that the times of the Gentiles had not arrived in which they were to participate in the gospel. After his resurrection, he commissioned his disciples and said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Alrighty, down to back to Matthew 15, verse 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into the mountain and sat down there. Now this is uh, near an area called Decapolis. This is literally ten cities, an area south and east of the Sea of Galilee into which Jesus and his apostles came when they left the coast of Tyre and Sidon. This is the area where the man possessed of a devil was from and to whom Jesus told to return to his home after being healed. No doubt he spread news about Jesus so that when he came there, they came unto him. Most of these people are thought to be Gentiles. This is a different miracle than feeding the 5,000. Then he was laying the foundation for his incomparable sermon on the bread of life. Now he is prefiguring the future presentation of the living bread to the Gentile nations. Verse 30, the great And great multitudes came unto him, having with them some lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Elder McConkie said that Jesus and his apostles may have spent as much time as two months in this area. Not only Jesus, but his apostles would have taught them during this period. Over to Mark, it says, And they thought unto him, or they brought unto him, one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, like mine, they besought him to put his hand upon him, and he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. Since the man could not hear, Jesus, he gave him a sign that he, could, that he would help him by touching his ears, a practice commonly believed by the rabbis and Jews to be one having healing virtue. That was spitting uh, and touching his tongue. It may be that the finger touch on the closed ears and to the bound tongue, the man's faith was strengthened and his confidence in the master's power increased. That was by James Talmage. Verse 34 in Mark, And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, Ephatha, and that is, be opened. Jesus made signs unto the man that he would understand, and straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain, and he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published, published him. Back to Matthew, verse 31, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. The implication is that these Gentile peoples who hitherto had served other gods now saw in the son of David the divinity which caused them to forsake their own national deities and turn unto the, unto the true Lord. Christ himself, of course, is the God of Israel. That was by Elder McConkie. Verse 32 in Matthew. Then, called, then Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. This miraculous feeding of the 4,000 is not a mere duplication or repetition of the feeding of the 5,000, which took place a short time before near Bethsaida. Then our Lord was mingling with his own kindred of Israel. Now he is teaching 
Other hosts, who in substantial part, being inhabitants of Decapolis, are presumed to be Gentile. Then he was laying the foundation for his incomparable sermon on the bread of life. Now he is prefiguring the future presentation of the living bread to the Gentile nations, and significantly this mixed multitude from the east of the Jordan were more receptive and took a more more sane and sound view of the matchless miracle of feeding thousands by use of the creative powers resident in him than did the members of the chosen seed. It is difficult to underestimate the transcendent appeal Jesus had for multitudes of the common people. Here we find 4,000 men plus an uncounted host of women and children staying with him in a solitary area without food or other necessities for three days. They are now faint from fasting and weary for want of beds and other normal home conveniences, yet they remain to hear every spoken word and rejoice in every gracious healing. Would they so have acted except for the inward assurance that here indeed, as they themselves had frankly avowed, was the God of Israel. And that's by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse, uh, back to the same verse, And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Even though most of these people were Gentiles, they believed in him. Verse 33, And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Had they forgotten the feeding of the 5,000? No, they did not think it was their privilege to suggest a repetition of the miracle. The, suggest, or the question as here put is rather an expression of their own inability to feed such a multitude with the, with the scanty provisions at hand. We may suppose also that in their subservient position as followers of him, who exceeds all men in power and might, they modestly and properly left to their Lord the decision as to what should be done. That was by Elder McConkie. Verse 34, And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and gave it thanks, and brake the bread, and gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled, and they took up the broken meat, or the excess food, seven baskets full. And they that did eat were four thousand men beside women and children. And he sent away the multitude, and took ship, and came into the coasts of Magdala. So that's the end of the chapter, and uh, notice that they took up again the fragments of the leftover food, and this time there are seven baskets full. Uh, Sometimes that means complete, so anyway, that's some symbolism there. Anyway, uh, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.